All right, before we get started with this podcast, we need to talk about something. Friends, it, it feels like the whole world can literally change for the worse overnight. You're following the news stories. With what's likely coming for our country, there is one thing you should do, and that's prepare. When you're more self-reliant, you're closer to freedom from any national crisis or job loss or economic downturn. But where do you start, and who can you trust? Let me make this clear. Building an emergency food supply to feed yourself and your family is a wise first step. And our friends at My Patriot Supply will help you prepare. Get four weeks emergency food supply for only $99, shipped free. That's 140 adult servings of easy to prepare food order today 888-457-3453 888-457-3453 or go online at preparewithcr.com that's preparewithcr.com build your emergency food supply for only $99 limit two units per caller 888-457-3453 or online at preparewithcr.com that's 888-457-3453 or at preparewithcr.com. All right, now let's get to the podcast. We've got some big news to tell you about from our partners at Conservative Review. Coming this December, it's CRTV, a brand new commercial-free digital network featuring Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and Mark Stein. You get all of this content anywhere you go, your laptop, tablet, cell phone, or even on Roku or Apple TV, and you can have all of this programming for a year for only $89 if you sign up before December 1st at CRTV.com. But to get that special price, you've got to use my name at the checkout, Dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. So go to CRTV.com and sign up today. Levin, Malkin, Stein, all for $89 a year. If you go to CRTV.com today and use the promo code DACE. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And happy Thursday. Greetings. Thanks for listening to us here on the Salem Radio Network. This is the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review. And we love to know what you think about what we think. We've got the SteveDace.com inbox that gives you the chance to tell us. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Also, next hour, we're going to open up the phone lines. I'm going to go Yoda. I'm going to ask, how feel you? Now that you've had some time, the dust is clear. This is technically the day after. Because even though the election was two days ago, it really wasn't decided. In fact, they just awarded Arizona's Electoral College votes like an hour ago. All right, so the election wasn't officially decided till yesterday morning. So now that you had a chance for the dust to clear, how do you feel now? I, I, I saw one tweet that said, I've never been more simultaneously excited and terrified at the same time so i want to know now that you've had a chance to let it sink in we saw one of the greatest photo ops of all time between barack obama and donald trump today with the peaceful um, handover of power and can i just say this 
You know, if President Obama had handled his affairs with the opposition for the last eight years, with the grace and panache he has handled this transition the last 24 hours, decent chance Hillary Clinton is the is, is, he's handing it off to Hillary Clinton for the next four years. You mean he hasn't treated his presidency like an intramural scrimmage like he just not to, exactly. No. But I mean he could not have and and this was something that we were concerned about on election night that they would progressives would just be like the evicted tenant who trashes the place on the way out the door. Let's give some credit here. I mean I don't, I don't know that he could have but given what he brings to the table. I don't know that he could have risen to the occasion better than he has. And I think we should recognize that. And I think if I'm if I'm in the Democratic Party, I'm wondering maybe we should have treated our opposition like this. Doesn't mean we had to agree with you ideologically, but maybe we should have treated you like this for the last eight years. Maybe we wouldn't be in this position today. Maybe you wouldn't. I thought Donald Trump has handled himself. I thought the post-election speech that he gave, I think the way that he has handled himself as well, you can make the same case with him, couldn't you? Maybe if he had behaved like this in those three debates, for example, maybe this maybe we wouldn't have waited until Wednesday morning to call this thing. Maybe he wouldn't have won four states by 1.4 points or less, but maybe he would have won this thing more decisively, right? I think maybe there's a lesson there for both of our sides. Anybody with me on this so far? I second that. Okay. So we're going to open up the phone lines next hour and ask you what you're thinking now that the emotion's worn off. How do you feel about where we're going next as a country? And we'll give you a chance uh, as we do so to win some copies of the paperback version of my book, Rules for Patriots, because we can now say it's endorsed. By the next president of the United States. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, golly, politics makes for strange bedfellows, does it not? Uh, Also, next hour, this clip went went viral. I I think like over 100 people started following me on Twitter in the last 24 hours since I was on the news hour on PBS last night. And they wanted to have me on talking about why they missed the Trump phenomenon. So I told them straight up. And we're going to let you listen to some of that audio coming up a little bit later on in the show. Todd, I know you enjoyed that. That wasn't like Wobegon. No. I mean, Todd, put, put it this way. Todd put down a carton of menthols after this clip, didn't you, Todd? I did, and I don't smoke. No. That's what that smell is in the studio here tonight, by the way. So grab some Febreze there, Aaron. All right, so if, since we're going to ask the audience later what they think sort of the, the day after. Oh, and we've got some audio for later in this show. Stephen A. Smith, mm-hmm. and I know, I know it's not right to say this. Every once in a while on Twitter, they do that hashtag confess your, unpo- your unpopular opinions. I know you guys are, I know you will be ashamed. I like Stephen A. Smith. Uh-huh. I do. I do too. You know why? Because he tell, I like people who yeah. tell you what you think, what they think, and aren't afraid to take contrarian opinions and take the heat for it. I don't always agree with them, but nobody always agrees with me either. I, so I kind of like that, you know? I don't know what you're talking about in this particular case. He I haven't seen this. Dude just reamed. I mean, Colin oh, Kaepernick. Oh, he's the one. He, I just he jog- heard new- Yes, when he jogs out to the huddle on Sunday for the 49ers, dude's <laughs> going to be bow-legged. I mean, he's yeah. going to be walking with a pronounced limp okay. after the amount of hide Stephen A. Smith took away from his backside, right? So we're going to see, we're going to make sure, Aaron, as I get rambling here this hour mm-hmm. with the other stuff, make sure I save enough time for us to play that audio later. Got it. Please. All right? Got it. So before we go to the audience later in the program tonight and ask them, hey, where are you at the, the day after? I've got seven thoughts I'd like to share, and then I'm going to let you guys uh, respond. But first and foremost, let me ask the two of you. Where are you at now that we're a good 36 hours since it's been known 
that for the first time in 60 years, longer than that, we're going to have somebody who's never held elected office be the next president of the United States, and his name is Donald J. Trump. How do you feel about that now with 36 hours for that to sink in, Todd? Uh, The most recurring thought I have is I still can't believe that actually happened. I can't believe it's happening, guys. uh, No, it's not really with that level of enthusiasm. I think back, and you were the one, you quickly talked me down, but once Donald Trump started gaining momentum, I, I was, you know, maybe this thing is a movement. Now I turned into the guy who kept mocking the fact that it was a movement. And now it's clear in some way, shape, or form it was. It's not the movement many people think it was. Hillary Clinton is the one who lost 7 million votes. Donald Trump underperformed uh, Mitt Romney. And where is he at now? With He's the, overperformed McCain. He has, okay. There is a chance when the final votes are cast, he may overperform Romney. Okay. I don't think that will happen, but I think it won't be a gap of 2 million like it was 24 hours ago. But nonetheless, it's, uh, it, it's, it's surreal. That word is overused, but this definitively is surreal yeah for i would absolutely agree i just i I walked into the studio um the afternoon uh, and the day after well i guess it it was yesterday wednesday afternoon and i just i had just gotten done listening to president obama's uh, speech about the results of the election and it was just something was weird something strange something different was in the air uh, it seemed to me, and I think I, I was eventually able to put my finger on part of what that was, at least for me, because the first time we elected uh, Barack Obama to his first term, I wasn't old enough to vote yet. And so for most of my young adult and adult life, we have had a Marxist progressive true believer in the White House. And we have lived, I've lived to most of my young adult and adult life. Uh, well, all of my young adult and adult life under this uh, constant reminder that that is the case, that a Marxist occupies the White House. And knowing that at least for a little while, we're not going to get four more years of that, when I had already resigned myself to the fate that, yeah, we're just going to get at least four more years of the same type of stuff, maybe eight more years, it was just... Was I, I was actually pretty happy um, about what had happened, just because it's it's it felt like something some veil had been lifted or something like that. And then I reminded myself that well, yeah, we we nominate or we elected a guy who, well, we don't know what he's going to be like. So it's an equal part hopefulness that maybe there's an opportunity to do something good, and equal part just um, just terrified <laughs> that, that there's something that could go drastically wrong with this. I want to follow up on that, just in full disclosure and honesty. I am happy... No, lie to us. Happy about... <laughs> that's the second <laughs> day in a row. Needless after, to say. After not falling into that trap... Hey, Todd, let, like, me, let me ask you this. I'm sorry, go ahead. But listen, <laughs> that's what living in a surreal moment does to you, but I, I have not felt happy about what happened once. I, I'm happy about some of the consequences of what happened, i.e. the media and things like that, but I... This this Donald Trump thing, it feels like I'm juggling grenades, man. All right, let, so that's a good segue. So let me start with the first of the seven things I'm thinking now the day after. I have to tell you, I'm even happier than I thought I would be that Hillary lost. And it, Not that I wasn't going to be happy that she lost, but given that I couldn't pull the lever for her, for her alternative, I'm even happier. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
I am. I, and I just need to say this. I've got to give myself some credit, if you don't mind. I am showing near superhuman restraint, not posting every crying Jordan meme on the internet Hit about me. these leftists. Yes. <laughs> I so want to go Danny DeVito in one floor with a cuckoo's nest right now. I mean, I'm thinking this is more fun than that Cambodian smoking toddler, okay? See, but Todd, this is why he earns the big bucks. All right. Over I, here. This, is, this might even be more fun than that live video of the jihadi getting blown up as he spews his propaganda <laughs> that I watched all night about a year ago. And that and was made pure me belly joy. Laugh. That was unadulterated. That was a joy gasm, is what that was. But, but listen, crowing is the worst thing to do. That whole love your neighbor as you love yourself thing. Not to mention, at some point, we got to share a country with most of these people. Now, we'll get to some of them later on. There's no sharing a country with. But with most of these folks, we have to share a country with them. And showing the sort of grace we've seen from Trump and Obama the last 24 hours, I think, might go a long way towards helping us do that. You're listening to Steve Dace. Liberals is important, but more important, who you beat them with. This is Steve Dace. Did I just say before the last segment yeah. that we need to show the same grace that Obama and Donald Trump have shown? Jesus is coming. And you mock me for saying, let's be honest. Jesus, Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, are we sure that the election actually happened? Have we been, like, raptured or something? It is. Are we in purgatory? It is kind of surreal. Today's behavior could not have been any different than what we saw in this election, which does show you that what I've told you about for years is true. There is a pro-wrestling feel to this, all right? So keep that in mind, okay? That doesn't mean they're all phonies when they don't like each other, but even even the people that are for real, like a cruise that you may think is, you know, as ideologically sincere as, as imaginable. Understand, even for the ones you think that this is for real, there's a performance aspect to it. they got to put some hot sauce on it because you're trying to, you, you got to get a crowd. You know what doesn't get a crowd? I think, you know, I don't know. Let's, let's talk about it. That doesn't draw a crowd? Doesn't draw a crowd. Here's the second thing I think now, the, uh, the night after. The coalition that Trump won with, that is something that is just not replicated long term. Uh, the aging rural demographic that turned out in droves for Trump, that, that's just not going to be there 10 years from now. And, and we can't trade the suburbs with, for rural America with the left. All right, I mean, we, we, if we give them the cities and the suburbs, you're looking at they, they just have to win six or seven counties to win every meaningful state in the country. That's a demographic nightmare. I mean, you can't count on 40,000 people not voting in Milwaukee that voted in 2012. In a state that Hillary lost by 15,000 votes, you can't, you can't count on that happening again. You can't count on Wayne County, Michigan, which I think was a, 300, a net 300,000 vote difference for Obama against Romney in the state four years ago, barely going to Hillary Clinton four years from now. You can't count on that, okay? What that means is, um, you know, this was, not, this was not lightning in a bottle, the RNC models and the Trump models had them losing for a reason. This was like taking your last your last paycheck when you're when you're when your plants close down and saying, I'm just gonna go to Vegas with it, bet it all on black and hope you know my ship comes in. 
And it does, Maverick. Snake eyes. <laughs> yes, that's what this was. If you had run this simulation a million times in any data model that either the DNC or the RNC had, this would not have been the combination they, they would have come out with probably one time. Okay? So the sports analogy is here. you got to coach up your team to yes. beat the opponent on their best day. You can't say, we're gonna, today we're going to rely on dumb luck and that they suck. Yeah, by the way, by the way, you're not giving it back either. I'm just saying Villanova caught Georgetown on the right night. All right. And they had this Harold Jensen guy that at halftime when Billy Packer said, well, Villanova's, you know, is shooting 80 percent. They're up by two points. They can't miss a shot in the second half. And they missed one. They missed one field goal attempt in the entire second half and beat number one Georgetown with three NBA lottery picks on the roster. Okay, Villanova, and by the way, one of their best players was literally on strung out coke, on coke. I yes. was just going to say strung that. Strung out on coke, and that they pulled this like off. feels like this election. <laughs> <laughs> and I went with Villanova, Georgetown, of all the myriad of upsets. Why? Well, what was the key? One of the key states was Pennsylvania. Where's Villanova? Philadelphia. Trump even won two wards in South Philly, if you can believe that. You can't count on this again. Are you not going to count on this skinny white kid, Harold Jensen, coming off the bench and going seven or eight from the field? I mean, you, you, this doesn't mean, by the way, Georgetown's unbeatable. I'm not saying the Democrats are unbeatable. I'm just saying this will not be the formula for winning, beating them in the future. All right? Not giving it back, though. It's a one and done, right? Pass-fail exercise. So you don't give it back. No scoreboard, baby. No doubt. There's no argument scoreboard doesn't win. But just understand the likelihood of getting scoreboard like this again, probably not very likely. All right. So we still have some serious demographic challenges as conservatives that we need to confront going forward. We got to take our values to some non white Americans and stat. All right. You guys with me on this so far? Yes. yes. All right. Here's the third thing that I am uh, thinking uh, the night after the Democratic autopsy is very simple. I saw Dave Weigel of the Washington Post was tweeting about this, and I know Dave, so I tweeted him back. What's the Democratic autopsy report going to look like? To me, this is an easy right. And, and I can say this with no snark at all. I mean, just this is an easy summation. Number one, uh, um, don't nominate a suspected felon. Think that's profound or think that's just probably self-evident? You know, in hindsight, and I know hindsight Not a good is idea. 2020. Yeah, it who, just doesn't. Especially because um, they were like blindsided by this whole Hillary corruption. No, yeah. yeah, that's not true. Don't nominate a suspected felon, number one, guys. Uh, number two, don't have said suspected felon call half the country, quote, deplorables. Still with me on this one? Think that's a pretty good idea? Seems fair. Okay. I mean, I don't, this is, don't need a seven-figure consulting firm. Just call the old dacer. I got this, okay? Number three, don't call people of orthodox faith of which they are legion. And one of them, by the way, is the number one swing vote that has decided every presidential election but one the last 43 years, Catholics. Don't call them, quote, backwards and bigots in your leaked emails. Good, you think? Probably a good idea. Probably a good one. You like that one? Okay, so there's there, that's, again, I'm, I'm, I'm saving the Democrats money here. And, and uh, number four, actually... Don't take voters for granted, but work for their votes. Don't sit there and say, by golly, we didn't visit Wisconsin one time. How did we lose this state fifty by 15,000 measly votes? We didn't take Michigan seriously to the last 48 hours. How did we, we lose this state by a point? How would that happen? Right? I mean, say this about Trump. 
dude worked his <clears throat> off. And we kind of mocked the whole rally thing. But, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about, because frankly, we were so juiced up and blinded by our own data analysis. Do you guys see how many rallies he was doing across the country the last week? It was like three or four rallies a day. Mm-hmm. They went to Minnesota. We all laughed. They darn near pulled that thing out. In fact, they did help the Republicans win the state Senate there now. Went to Michigan, Wisconsin. We were like, and, and I'm convinced the Trump people were kind of just throwing a Hail Mary pass. But you know what? So was Doug Flutie. And it won him the Heisman Trophy. You know, nobody catches the Hail Mary pass. Michael Westbrook ain't catching that puppy by himself. Cordell Stewart's got to throw it, right? So give him credit. They threw the pass, and the voters caught it. I want to I want to echo that. They're not giving up. And it these people were insufferable on social media, but they never ever gave up, which is a different thing than saying that this was a genius plan or something like this. It, I, we need to echo point number 2 in talking about point number 3. This was a minor miracle that this happened. It's not a plan that should be elevated. No coach goes into a game saying we're going to rely on a Hail Mary at no, the end No, of the I, game. Can, I can promise you, Rolly Massimino, who coached that legendary win, never ever went into another game at Villanova University in the pregame and said, all right, guys, we're going to get our, po- our point guard coked up on blow. Uh, we're going to have this skinny white kid nobody's ever heard of. Chuck not him. Mi- not miss- chuck just him. chuck him in from 20 feet and, no- and not going to miss. And we're just going to let Patrick Ewing dominate the rim for 40 minutes. We got this. Never again. All right? This formula can't win. By the way, hang the banner. Yeah. Celebrate the scoreboard. Just know, though, this is not the the game plan for winning like this in the future. You're listening to Steve Dace. We're not trying to win the argument. We're trying to start one. This is Steve Dace. All right, some more things that I sort of, uh, I guess you could say, thoughts I have now that we're a full 36 hours after this thing is over. Let's not kid ourselves. If you're a conservative, the Republican Party is Trump's party now, uh, and it will be for the next four to 20 years depending on how good and successful of a president he is. If he doesn't get reelected, then, you know, all the things that went on in this primary, they're sort of a detente right now. They will all blow up again in 2024. But if he gets reelected, then he is the long-term influence in this party, the way Reagan and Bush were even long after they left the national stage. So this is his party. And every conservative will have to consider whether they can operate from within it or not. That's why I'm still an independent, until proven otherwise. Who knows? Maybe Trump will empower conservatives in the party. That would surprise me. But I've, I've been surprised before, like this week. But I think we shouldn't kid ourselves. Trump is going to rebrand this party. The only question is whether it will be an improvement or a rearranging of the deck chairs. Number five. For those of you asking, which is many, no, I am not getting on the Trump train, but no, I am not never Trump either. The campaign is over. 
like I wrote for Conservative Review and we talked about on the show last night, I'm wiping the slate clean from this time forward. I don't regret anything I said or did regarding this election and his candidacy. I don't know if you guys do. I don't want to speak for you. I don't. But he is the president now. And I would say this if Hillary Clinton had won, albeit with even more skepticism, because I know, I'm I'm pretty confident I know what she would do. But I'd still give her a chance to prove herself anyway. I'm not nearly as confident at what he will do. So I'm going to probably give him a longer rope. It is better for all of us if he is successful. So I don't see why we don't have an incentive to give him a chance. Plus, I think we have a better chance of being the loyal opposition later if we need to be. I mean, if he sucks and we need to redeploy, ask yourself this question. Are we going to be more successful if it looked like we tried to undermine him over trivial, crazy things from day one because we're butthurt? Or if we said, you know what? The people have spoken. We will respect the will of the people. And let's and let's see. Let's see if this, if this Trump wasn't the con man that he's been a lot of times elsewhere in his life. But he's really sincere about this stuff. Let's see. And if it turns out that he's not, are we going to are we going to be more effective being the loyal opposition if we gave him an honest chance and if we undermined him over trivial butthurt things from day one? All of it comes back to what you say all the time. What when do we win, Steve? When we focus on principles yes. or personalities? Yes. I mean, the, put down the haterade. Not helping anybody. The tree will produce fruit all on its own for all to see. Bad tree cannot produce good fruit, and a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. So there is no need for us to preemptively speculate or lament. Let's just wait and see. You guys agree with that? Agreed. Yes. Here's the sixth thing, I think. The protest last night showed there is an element of the left that has not learned their lesson from this election. Those people you don't have to serve, show mercy to, in my view. Those people need spankings. That's not a loyal opposition. You know, as, as, as much as I'm resisting the temptation to laugh, let's face it, if Hillary had won, how many crying Jordan memes of our own people would we be seeing right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, All of them. And I've got to think, and, I, and every time I have gone to, every, you know what's kept me in check? I wish I could tell you it is this extraordinary self-discipline I'm bragging about, which I really don't have. You know what it really is? Every time I've grown, I've gotten close to mocking them. Little voice in the back of my head says, remember the night you felt, how you felt the night Ted Cruz dropped out? And remember when we watched people inside the hotel room there in, Indian, in Indiana when he came out after that primary and weeping that they knew this was the last time that really the Constitution and conservatism was going to be brought up in this election? Remember that? A lot of the people in that room are, are people I know or friends of mine. So, you know, judge not lest ye be judged, but what's the rest of that? For by the same standard you judge others, so will you also be judged. If I was sitting in that hotel with all of those other fellow patriots the night Ted Cruz dropped out, I might have gotten choked up. But these people on the streets aren't those other folks. These are thugs. They ought to be in at, at work or in jail. This is a, can't share a country with people like this. And they're not interested in sharing one with you. What they are going to do, though, is what they did for Scott Walker in Wisconsin. Strengthen him. 
Every time Walker's run since the mobocracy came after him, he's gotten more votes the next time. He wins bigger every time. There's about 10%, maybe 20% of the population that really identifies with these tactics. And then the rest of the country, the next 80, 90%, including a hell of a lot of people that voted for Hillary Clinton, don't. Hate it. And they're like, uh, get a job, take a bath, go serve at a homeless shelter, make some babies and raise a family, do something self-sacrifice, do something sacrificial with your life, something productive. This is like the monster in the latest uh, Superman Batman movie. They the left keeps keep hitting him, and it just makes yes. him stronger. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the best get out the vote. Other well, other than the media that's that's fawning over these crowds, these rioters are the best get out the vote effort Trump has. Your thuggery is helping him. I'll have one more thought the night after the election's been called when we come back. You're listening to Steve Dace. Declaration of Dependence on the Laws of Nature and Nature's God. This is Steve Dace. So as I'm prone to do, I'm, I'm probably going to alienate both sides of the extreme here. Because I'm not immediately jumping on the Trump train, but to me, never Trump was a campaign thing, and it's that season's over now. So I can see I've, I've angered some of the... Uh, the more um, ardent elements on both of those planks by saying this so for the last 24 hours. Let me just say this to both sides, and and particularly to my fellow Never Trumpers, because I'm I'm sure I've got a lot more credibility with you at the moment. And this is the final point I want to make about thoughts I have now that we're sitting here the, the night after the results were called. It's almost Christmas time. Well, I think it is. To me, Christmas starts November 1. Todd believes it is Thanksgiving time. I, of course, have reminded him there is no Thanksgiving time. Thanksgiving is not a season. Nobody go. Nobody's going out this weekend and saying, you know, I'm going to grab a 12-pound butterball because it's almost Thanksgiving. I'm just kind of in the mood. No, no. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's detasseling corn because they just, they're feeling Puritan. Nobody's doing that. I'm very uncomfortable being ripped on in a session that is about what's wrong with this election. (laughs) Very uncomfortable. (laughs) Thanksgiving is an event. It's not a season. It's an event. Christmas is a season, right? It's it's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. Actually, we're going to be playing that soon, and I love that song. It's Christmas time or thereabouts. It has been a long, dreadful election. And I'm not sure whether we put the emphasis on long or dreadful, because if you're in, if you're in our shoes, you know, Todd... You, Do Aaron, we have to choose? Ter- Todd, you and I have been at this pretty much since five minutes after Mitt Romney lost, is when my phone began to ring, okay? So this, for me... In particular, because of where I live and what I do when I'm not on the air, has been a long, long election. All right? It has been long. Let go of the spite, man. Let it go. 
There, there's really no need being spiteful about events you cannot control. Let it go. Go enjoy the holidays. You still live in the freest country on God's green earth. Where one of the biggest arguments we're going to have with ourselves is what to do with millions of people who literally crawled over broken glass to live here illegally because where they come from isn't as good as this place. Take a deep breath. Take back your joy. Enjoy the rest of the year. I think I'm, com- I'm I think I'm on solid ground in saying the war will still be here when you come back. It's not going anywhere. How about a little ceasefire? How about a little Americana? Let go. I can't believe some of you have not had enough of what the last, for some of you it's six months, for some of you it's last year, for some of you it's the last year and a half. For me, it's been the last three and a half years. I can't believe some of you have not had enough of that. Just let it go. If these people are who you think they are, and we suspected they are, it will show all on its own. And if they're not, well, wouldn't that be the absolute best occasion for saying, I was wrong pretty much ever? All right? So, I can't speak to the, uh, to the ardent Trump supporters who are still angry at people like me. I, I get it. I, and I don't have the credibility to speak with you. But to the, my fellow Never Trumpers out there, I know our show kind of became a central hangout for a lot of those people around the country. Maybe we'd call it a safe space, (laughs) okay? I get that. So I do have some credibility, I think, with you. You know, one of the reasons you were never Trump is because you were concerned about what it would say about what our values mean to the rest of the country to attach them to what you viewed to be such a flawed vessel, right? Well, you know, we said that, you know, we, we serve a higher authority, then let's act like it right now. We're entering the season where we couldn't get to heaven. So heaven came to us. Let's act like it. Let's act like heaven showed up in a stall in a barn. Emmanuel, God with us. That the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. There is no authority on earth except that which God has ordained. That Jesus says, I am the ruler of God's creation. Then let's act like it. Let's act like we serve a God who rolled a stone away and walked out of that tomb free and clear like nothing happened. And lives and reigns to this day. If you were concerned about attaching your brand to Donald Trump because of what it would say about your faith, be just as concerned being a negative Nancy right now with the country watching about what it says too. Because here's what it says. You guys need government every bit as much as we do. You need the state every bit as much as we do. You need cultural validation every bit as much as we do. And we don't, or at least we should not. 
Do we truly believe, I just gave a sermon at our church this past Sunday, no matter who you are or what you've done, God can still use you for greatness even at the last minute. Do we believe that or not? Then let's give it a chance to see if God will do that with Donald Trump. I have my doubts. That's why I took the position I took. But you know what? I don't control the flow of history. So I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to watch the master architect now roll out his plan. Maybe it'll be what we expect. Maybe it won't. Either way, it'll be his plan. And that's what we're here to do. Follow his plan, not ours. And his plan is not to sit around like we are a a church with a proverbial sword of Damocles over our head 24-7. Put down the angst, fire up the Christmas music, carb up, have some family time. You're listening to Steve Dace. Selling out isn't a virtue. This is Steve Dace. All right, we teased this earlier. Let's get to it. News came out yesterday that Colin Kaepernick did not vote. He just said he didn't thought it made, didn't think it make a difference. I don't know why the I don't know why the left is surprised at this. You know, when he when he started making his protest, we pointed out on this show at the time, notice they're leaving one part of his statement out. Dude hates Hillary Clinton and thinks she's a rotten crook. They just conveniently left that part out. So Colin Kaepernick says, no, I didn't vote, didn't think it'd make much of a difference. Well, he's kind of right. He lives in California. She was going to win by, you know, name the score, no matter whether he voted or not, right? I know all kinds of... I, 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 listen, if you want to know where a lot of never-Trumpers lived, not too many of them lived in Ohio... Florida, all right? A lot of them lived in New York, California, Texas, okay? Why? Because it's easier to wrestle with the implications of the stance you're taking when, really, there are no implications. So, nonetheless, the guy chose to make his career a political cause celeb and then chose not to take place in the process when it was his turn, Stephen A. Smith today on ESPN, he ain't having that. He absolutely betrayed his cause. As far as I'm concerned, Colin Kaepernick is absolutely irrelevant. I don't want to see him again. I don't want to hear from him again. I don't want to hear a damn word about anything that he has to say about our nation, the issues that we have, racial injustices, needing change, etc., etc. He comes across as a flaming hypocrite. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not interested in a damn word that he has to say. And quite frankly, I hope he goes away. He's lucky to be in the league right now. And Colin Kaepernick, after all this noise that you made, even though you didn't intend to do so by offending our military servicemen and women and pointing out about how you wanted to bring attention to racial injustices and beyond this in this country to turn around and not to even take your behind to the polls to vote for a particular candidate. It is shameful, absolutely shameful. Him of all people. Because of the position he took, because of the attention he brought to the issues, the fact that you don't even have the decency to go to the polls and activate yourself in this election, as our president said, is a damn shame. I don't want to hear another word from Colin Kaepernick. It's a waste of time. A matter of fact, 
I would personally make a request to the media in this nation, wherever he is, if he ain't on that football field trying to throw another damn incomplete pass, do me a favor and make sure one thing. Take the camera away from him. It means nothing. Because for him not to vote, as far as I'm concerned, everything he said meant absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't want to hear another damn word from him. Nothing. You know what? That was so good. Aaron, I, I want you to play that again. Can you play it again, please? Uh, we have to get to the break. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. In fact, I'm going to let you play it to me during the break. Okay. As we like to say in church, thou preach. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen. And all amen, God's brother. people said amen. <laughs> Hour two is next. Listening to Steve Dace. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with Hour 2 here, the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. For the first time since Tuesday's election results have been known, and Donald Trump officially became the next president of these United States, we are going to open up the phone lines. And if you were listening in the first hour of the show, you heard us talk about sort of now that the smoke is cleared and... The data analysis is over and your immediate emotional reactions have some have subsided and the reality of where the country's going next has set in. How do we feel now? Because really today, we really didn't know for sure till about 10 o'clock yesterday morning when it was really official. I mean, we went to bed uh, Tuesday night kind of knowing the trend line. She was going to need a one in a million miracle to pull it out. But we didn't know for sure until yesterday morning. So really, tonight is sort of the day after. Everything's settled in. You've gone to work now, and everybody's talking about it there. Uh, So we're curious. What do you think about where we're heading as a country right now? 844-88-DACE is the number. That's 844-883-3223. And we're going to keep the phone lines open most of this hour. Later on tonight... We're going to let you listen to the audio of my appearance on NewsHour on PBS last night. And this clip went viral. I got a ton of reaction to this uh, from all over the country. Even several people from Canada reacted to this. They invited me to come on to talk about why their bias missed the Trump phenomenon. That's literally what they wanted to talk to me about. So I gave them the truth right between the eyes right there on PBS. And we'll let you listen to it. And find out why after after he heard after he saw this, Todd immediately went to the the the, the uh, stop and shop, grabbed a carton of heaters and put them down in completely uh, post marital bliss after witnessing this clip. That's how much you liked this clip, Todd. 
Uh, best reason to start smoking I could think of. <laughs> all right, so we're going to let you, now that we've built it way out of proportion, all right, uh, we're going to let you listen to some of that coming up a little bit later on in this hour. But now we want to listen to you. And I'm feeling very charitable tonight. It is the Christmas season. You know, my official stance is, well, Steve, you guys don't start playing the Christmas bumpers until after Thanksgiving. That's because I have a staff revolt on my hands if I start playing them now. But for my money, Christmas in the day's household begins the day after Halloween. November 1. So because we're in the Christmas season, we're going to give away to the first five callers this hour, we're giving them paperback copies of Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again, because this may be the only time in my life I'm going to be able to say, my book endorsed by the President of these United States. Ironic, I know, but it is true. There is a there is a, I guess you would call, glowing review for my book written by Donald Trump, which I will tell you I wrote. I sent the book to him. He took a look at it, which many probably glanced at it for 10 minutes, and Sam Numberg read the cotton-picking thing. Then he sent me an email and said, hey, just tell me what you need the endorsement to say. I said, let's try this. In fact, this is what I sent him. What I sent him is... Um, Steve Dace is one of the rising stars in conservative media, and he's able to tackle serious subject matter in a winsome way that's so easy to understand. Even a Washington, D.C. politician can get it. That's what I sent to the Donald. He said, I loved it. I'll, I'll, this is my approval. You can use that for your book. I am on my knees praying as we speak that that's how he approaches his presidency. Just tell me what you want to do, conservatives, and I'll do it. <laughs> well, that's how you lips to Joe Boo's or Allah's or Jesus's or whoever's ears. May that be the Trump presidency. Well, it won't be. I won't be getting that kind of access now. I can promise you that. But I hope some other people who think like us who do have that access maybe can uh, can can transaction with the next president that way. But that's how we got the endorsement to the book. So there you go. And and that is the only in in my career. That is the only endorsement from somebody else that I have written. That's the only one. At least I think it is. I'd have to stop and think, yeah, I think that's the only one. I've had other people say, hey, what would you like it to say? And I've kind of given, you know, some general things to look at. But this is the only time I've ever written verbatim. Ghost written my own book endorsement, approved by the person who gave it. What was that like channeling Donald Trump, even for a Well, moment? that was the thing. I had to come up with something that I thought he like would actually say. You know, I had to come up with something I thought that he would actually say. <laughs> Right. Because I didn't think, you know, I, I didn't think he would like make some, you know, nobody would believe Donald Trump at this stage would make some kind of constant, you know, this helps you defend the con- Constitution. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody would think you would um, uh, he would write something like that. OK, like Ben Shapiro's endorsement was Steve Dace lays out a blueprint for a vi- for victory for conservatives. Could you see Donald Trump saying that in 2014? No. So it had to be something that you could reasonably assume he would say. So you could could you see Donald Trump insulting a Washington politician? Bam! There you go. Should have added a. I've never told you guys that before. You love that story. Now I need to know, Todd. Do you love that story or my PBS appearance last night more? Which do you love more? Wow! Because right now we're gonna, Aaron, we're gonna lose Todd. Am I smoking right now? Yes. I mean, yes. yes. Todd (laughs) is going down to the next to the stop and shop again to put down another carton of heaters. He loves this. I can tell. You you are literally in a state of nirvana over this anecdote that I just shared with you. Have I not told you this story before? I am hanging on by a very thin thread. I I never told you this before, had I? No. (laughs) 
Dude was glowing. I mean, you should have. He was. He came in here before you were uh, yesterday evening before the show, talking about how the media was being exposed. I mean, he was literally light oh, was radiating. Well that, radiating. That's Christmas for it is Christmas for me right Have now. Have you been enunciated? Is that what's, is that well, what's he going on right here? Too, I think. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, 844-883-3223, 844-88-DACE. Let's begin with George in New York. George, we yes. welcome you to the show. As Yoda once asked, how feel you? Well, okay, the area man is very enthusiastic about Trump winning, but I have a personal concern, which may be a little more darker. Okay. All right, the Hydra has many heads, and my concern is the subversive activity that might try to hamstring Trump's efforts to make him look bad for the 2020 Democratic takeover. Give us an example of what you think that would look like, George. Well, uh, opposition in Congress, bureaucracy not following what he wants implemented, either through executive order or by directive. Um, He's going to come up against the IRS. He's going to come up against the EPA. Mm -hmm. And God only... We can only guess what Obama's going to do in the next 60 days, including pardoning himself. I'll say this. You know, we were very skeptical. If you listen to our show on election night, I know we were preempted on numerous affiliates of ours across the country for special election night shows. But one of the things we talked about on election night was, could we see the progressives in the White House sort of become like that that uh, the couple, the family gets evicted because they didn't pay their rent and they trashed their place, uh, the place on their way out, kind of that analogy. And we discussed the possibility of that. Now, for the last 24 hours, President Obama has shown a level of grace and magnanimity towards the opposition that if he had shown this, this kind of grace and magnanimity for the last eight years and not done things like, I don't know, sue nuns, uh, probably would have been a lot more difficult to beat Hillary Clinton on Tuesday, would have been my guess. But that's also just the first 24 hours. Right. There's still a whole what we're almost talking uh, six weeks. Right. Is it January 17th? Is that the official transfer? Is it earlier than that? So, yeah. All right. So we're actually we're talking longer than six weeks now. So we're almost going on two months before the official transition takes place. So we'll see. I, I don't think your your fears, George, are unfounded at all. But I also think we should acknowledge what we've seen so far from the president and the administration has been promising. The other thing, too, with the concern about Trump, and I say this as somebody that was never Trump, I am not concerned about Trump not getting his way. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, earlier today who's a very well-respected national leader uh, amongst, uh, in, amongst conservative activists. And I said to him, here's something, here is a, here's a, uh, here's a silver lining to Trump as president. He will do things to make Congress move and make departments move that probably nobody else you could have elected would have done. That's why I think you saw Mitch McConnell, Todd, come out yesterday before Trump even said anything and said, yeah, we're appealing Obamacare right away. I think they know he's not going to listen to, well, we don't have 60 votes. I think they know that. I mean, Trump's going to get on a camera in the Oval Office and say, hey, call your flipping senator and tell them to do their job or we're taking him out. Can you see Donald Trump doing stuff like that? Yes. I absolutely can. Here's the concern. The concern will not be Trump using the full weight and power of the presidency and the bully pulpit to get what he wants done. The concern will be that what he wants done is good. That's the concern. Yes. All right. And I think, George, that's where we all need to be praying. I I have little I have I'm not worried about Trump's manhood, ego, not taking full advantage of the position. 
I think we need to make sure to do our best that he does so in a way that is constructive and not destructive. You're listening to Steve Dace. Surrender isn't a strategy. This is Steve Dace. Chances are your current phone carrier is using your money to undermine your values, and that's why we created Patriot Mobile. To give conservatives a chance to put our money where our values are. Investing those resources into a company that will then turn around and reinvest into our values. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide talking and texting and high-speed 4G LTE data. At competitive prices, and they'll donate up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice. That means you're going to get the same quality service, the latest and greatest phones, competitive prices, but for the causes that you believe in. So go to PatriotMobile.com. That's PatriotMobile.com. Or call 1-800-PATRIOT. And when you decide to make the switch, feel free to use the promo code STEVE to get the $35 activation fee waived on up to two phones. Speaking of phones... We go back to our phone lines at 844-883-3223. That's 844-88-DACE. And we ask you, now that the smoke is cleared and it's official, as Yoda once said, how feel you? What do you think about what's happened in the country and where we are going next? Uh, and if and by the way, we're happy to give you a free copy of uh, the, the paperback version of Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again. Just let Aaron know when you call in that you want one, and he will get you hooked up. 844-883-3223. Let's go next to Delaware. That's where Derek is standing by. Derek, what do you think? Um, I think that um, the um, Trump is going to be, um, after he gets into office, he'll, he'll shift to the center left. And you can tell that he's um, doing a good job because the um, Democrats will be happy with him and the Republicans won't. And the reason why he'll shift to the uh, center left, he already owns the Republican vote. And he's just going to grab up all the rest of the Democrats for himself for the next election. So that's my um, thought on the election. Do you Does that give you a warm, fuzzy Derek, or does it, uh, does it give you pains of angst? Oh, it gives me pains of angst. Actually, I mean, I'm I, I'm very disappointed with the um, the church voting the way they did. I mean, I don't I don't know who to trust anymore in this country that's a, a Christian leader because they pretty much have thrown in with the um, political party, the Republican Party, and they have no more standing. So. All right, Derek, thank you for the call, man. We appreciate it. So first caller was excited. Second one sounds not so much. I'm feeling him. You're feeling more of him. In terms of who has standing amongst the Christian leadership to really speak for us, I mean, we've gone down that list for months now. That said, those people have an incredible amount of leverage right now if if they use it. I mean, If they know how to use it, Steve. Well, that's a good question, too. Um, because their their mo all along has been get a seat at the table. Well, right now th- there isn't even a table to sit at without them. I mean, Trump got Trump won Catholics by seven. That's the largest margin a Republican has had since Reagan won him by nine in eighty four. When the numbers are done, we may see this was the largest turnout of white evangelical Protestants of all time, and he got eighty one percent of them. So 
you're looking at an election where he lost the popular vote and the four states that put him over the top, Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, he won them by 1.4 points or less. Which means if those Christian leaders, if they had not drained every last ounce of people from the, from the, from the, uh, the pews to the polls, he's not president today. He owes them bigly. And they better get Uncle Bingo to pay up because they're on the hook for this now, right? I mean, if he, if it, so they're the ones that re- reassured a lot of the faithful. First of all, voting against Hillary is a perfectly morally justifiable enterprise, and we said that all along. I mean, Hillary, I mean, they let you know in those emails. They think you're all bigots. I'm sure people that, that think you're bigots will treat you fairly if you give them control of the government, said nobody with a brain. Right. So voting against her is one thing. But but now you're also I mean he you he you're, he represents you now, and and so you went out there and said hey this is a representation of our values you better get him to pay up to show that you got something for this in return agreed, agreed yes, in theory but so I think Christian leaders have the most to gain and lose in this presidency. They can. They have the most. They have more leverage than anybody. Any other group does. On any a, other on group a political does. level. Yes, yeah. on a political yeah. level. Yeah, but if they don't, del- if he doesn't deliver anything other than the sort of the same trite stuff we've gotten from Republicans since Reagan left, that's probably the last gasp of their credibility. I'm just saying you're the you're the one who's because you, you're more inside baseball than I am on this. That said, that it seems like uh, the pro many of the pro life organizations behave just like bigger co- big government. They're not really trying to solve the problem because they can't make money and run on elections on solving the problem. They need to keep the gravy train. That's going. true of too many, not all, but of too many of them. That's true of too many of them. Let's go to Jim in New Jersey next. Jim, how feel you now that the dust is cleared? How you doing, Steve? Hey, good. A couple of different ways. Um, first, I was a never-Trumper until, like, the last minute. Um, you know, I'm actually looking at your feed and um, on your Twitter feed and reminding about all these posters. Uh, the day um, they showed uh, Trump going to the polls, and, you know, I saw the left out there heckling his family. Mm-hmm. And and it really just got my Irish up <laughs> when I went to the polls. I was originally just going to vote down ticket, but I cast a vote for Trump. So um, I think you're spot on about moving people, just annoying people. to The, the left is just hurting themselves here. Um, as far as Trump goes, my always concern was I was a Cruz guy. And um, my big position always had been, you know, I always felt Trump was to the left of the cell at Rhinos, basically on policy. And my own biggest concern right now is I'm glad he won, obviously, over Hillary, because I think Hillary would have put the Bill of Rights in, in jeopardy for us. Definitely religious liberty would have been on the table. You can see that from the emails. I'm a Catholic, and they were looking to inf- infiltrate the church, probably still are. Um, but um, personnel is policy, and, and it seems like with Christie heading the transition team, the names I'm seeing, it's like all the Bush people, all the Romney people. You know, uh, I never really believed that Trump would change the swamp, but <clears throat> um, my concern is now, twofold, and I have one question quick for you, mm-hmm. is that, does he, is he putting the right people in places in these agencies that are going to make the changes that he promised and that we really need? And the question, if I could ask to you, yeah. um, is, um, and I know we had a, uh, everybody was going back and forth on Ted Cruz. I was sort of ambivalent about the, uh, the fact he endorsed uh, Trump, but I saw his post, uh, I think you posted it on, or somebody else posted on with his statements today that he met with, with Trump and Pence already. Do you think the fact that he got the uh, Commitment on judges, um, at least from Trump, whether he keeps his word or not, at least we might be in a better position, at least from the standpoint of, um, you know, maybe somebody like Cruz, somebody on our side, at least has endorsed them and sort of could fight for a couple things with him, you know, as far as to get Trump to 
you know, live up to his promises, at least on the big issue things. Those are good questions, Jim. Uh, let me just say, Morton Blackwell, the Leadership Institute, has one of the truest truisms in politics, which is personnel is policy. You're going to know, particularly when you're dealing with somebody that's not really ideologically driven, meaning somebody that his entire life has, has, has voted and donated progressive, but has said some of the most convincing things in favor of some of our own arguments we've ever heard in the same election at the same time, that tells me you're not really dealing with somebody that, it, that has really deeply thought through ideologically a lot of the issues and therefore is really con- connect, convicted one way or the other. That's why who he surrounds himself with will, will tell us quite a bit in which agenda will be pursued. And it may also tell us that he decides to hire the most qualified people that were loyal to him. And it's this mishmash of ideologies, which means you may be frustrated by some departments and you may like what other departments do. But I do think who his personnel is will tell us quite a bit. As far as Ted Cruz, to me, well, you know what? We can talk about that. I'll tease that. We'll get into that when we come back. Listening to Steve Dace. You lose 100% of the battles you refuse to fight. This is Steve Dace. Quickly on Ted Cruz, Jim in New Jersey just asked me if, if I were advising Ted Cruz. And I'm not formally advising Ted Cruz. But if I were formally advising Ted Cruz, meaning I had a position within his inner sanctum of giving advice, the odd, you're, he's at least, at least, even if things worked out, he's at least 8 to 15 years away from ever being president of the United States. So I'd ask myself right now, do I, where do I think I could spend the next 8 to 15 years doing the most good when even... Even eight years from now or 15 years from now, we're talking about a chance to be president, not like it would be an overwhelming odds in favor of it, right? So I'd be asking myself, where could I do the most good? Do I think I could do the most good being in the Senate? Because he's a conservative Hispanic in Texas, so as long as he doesn't do anything scandalous, he can be a senator till, till uh, you know, Strom Thurmond calls him home, okay? Um, or... If I, what if I were the conservative Eric Holder at Attorney General? Undid what Eric Holder and Loretta Lynch have done to this country in the rule of law for the last eight years. What if I were on the Supreme Court? What if I were the next Antonin Scalia? I'm 45 years old. I can sit in that position like Scalia did for a quarter century. The constitutional rock of the, of the court. Those are the things I'd be asking myself right now. If I were in his shoes. Quick thoughts on this before we go back to the phones? I'd agree with that. I mean, he is in his prime right now. He's, um, what, he's still in his 40s, mid-40s? 45. 45, yeah. yeah. Um, you, I think that's right. I, I think that's um, I think that's actually a good place for him to be because, as we saw this time around, I, he did everything right, everything that you thought would be right. Uh, to run a successful presidential campaign, and yet he still lost. And so, yeah, I think anything he could do right now, in addition to being a senator or in place of being a senator, that would give him more, um, um, just more clarity and more power than a senator. Yeah, do I don't know what first place is on that list, but being a senator is last place. Uh, by the way, I'm not. I don't know that he could get any of those positions out of Trump. I don't know. I'm hearing Giuliani for AG. Ugh. 
Like I don't I, insane. I don't want us to. I'm not going to get in all worked up in rumors until they make choices. But Giuliani's a social liberal. I got to believe we can do better. I mean, I could listen. Homeland Security, fine. But I, to me, I think you got to have a culture warrior in the AG spot. Because you know why? Because who was the guy that was the previous AG? Culture warrior. So you need somebody that knows where all those bodies are buried, where all the where all the wretch, where all the dry bones. Eric Holder, if you know the re- biblical reference here, I left behind and breathed some life into those things. Okay, let's go back to the uh, back to the phones. Let's go to Joe in Florida. Joe, now that the dust has settled on the election, what are you thinking right now, Joe? Well, I initially, um, you know, I was never Trump all the way to the end, and um, I was had the same concerns you did. He was going to redefine conservatism probably for a couple generations, and um, I didn't like that. But now that I noticed that he had uh, that speech he made in, in Gettysburg where he gave 26 promises, some of them like to appeal, uh, repeal Obamacare and Common Core, uh, I, I think we can hold his feet to the fire in this way. Um, if, if these things don't, don't get done in the first 100 days, like he promised, we can get on social media and lament the fact that the establishment, you know, led by Mitch McConnell, is beating him and and stealing his ability to fulfill his own promises. Trump will react to that by doubling down and getting things done. But we're motivating, you know, by using basically his ego. Yeah, I'm count. I'm counting on. Uh, his ego. I'm not worried about his ego leveraging these people, as I said a few minutes ago. I'm not worried about that at all. In fact, to me, I think that's the saving grace of his presidency, is that ego. What I'm concerned about are the values associated with it. We we want to make sure that when he does use that power, and I think he will use it, that he uses he uses his powers for good. <laughs> all right? To, to coin a phrase from the Super Friends. Let's go to Christine next in Missouri. Christine, thanks for the call here on the Steve Day Show. What do you think? Um... I voted at the top of the ticket. Um, I did not vote Republican. I voted for Constitutional Party and Libertarian Party. I did vote down ballot for Republican. And now, after the dust has settled, I was extremely happy Hillary did not get elected. And for a brief moment, I had some hope. And then I read in the Washington Examiner that Mitch McConnell, Phil, it looks like we lost. No, do we lose her? Yep. Okay, I think my. I think if I, I, I don't want to project, but I think she was going to talk about McConnell saying they weren't going to use the nuclear option. All right, that that's for for judges. But again, I'm not worried about that. I'm just telling you, I I don't think we need to worry that they're going to stonewall Trump. The guy just beat the media, folks. Literally, he just took Paul Patine and threw him in a shaft. He, they're not Mitch McConnell's fourth chin isn't going to stymie Donald Trump. Trump's lack of self-restraint and moral character is the only thing standing in his way of greatness. Yep. That's it. That's what you need to be worried about. Pray for that. You're listening to Steve Dace. Following the truth, no matter where it leads. The Steve Day Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. We've been teasing this audio. 
so, you know, guys, a lot of um, liberal media outlets, or not, I'm going to say a lot, I want to blow it out of proportion, but several had contacted me before the election and said, hey, we want to talk to you afterwards, because, of course, the assumption was that Hillary was going to win, and the Republican Civil War that has gone on this entire primary would have made past the bull run phase, and we'd be at Antietam where everybody dies. And so they wanted, they wanted my take on it to help them uh, write the, uh, the, uh, the, the war story they've, they've all been waiting to write November 9th and beyond. They wanted to see which Republicans would cry on air. And that's yes, what they yes. Well, lo and behold, that's not the result that happened. So a lot of these folks then never followed up with me. I'm, I'm sure that's a shocking... They didn't, they didn't want to hear me say um, what a terrible candidate Hillary Clinton was, and she blew the election. It was interesting. I mean, it didn't follow up. But I did get a shocking phone call yesterday. The News Hour with PBS called me and said, hey, we'd like to have you on. Now, that's shocking enough until you hear what they wanted to talk about. They said, hey, we want to have an honest conversation about how we in the media missed what happened on Tuesday. I made him repeat that because I didn't believe it either. And then they wanted to do a pre-interview. And I said, okay, this is where they're never going to put me on the air. And I don't really have time to do this tonight anyway because I'm buried in election day after election data as it is. But this is an opportunity you can't say no to, right, if they give it to you. So I let them have the full Monty, man. I didn't hold anything back. Uh, they ruined it. They helped. They first of all, they helped. They helped get Trump the nomination with too much free co- coverage. And then their coverage was so over the top. They created it. They were the best get out the vote effort that he had. And I thought that'll that'll be it. that's I'm not giving him the Michael Schmirkanish, David Gergen, David Brooks Republican line they're looking for, you know. So there's no way I'm getting on the air. And the, their producer said that is great. We definitely want to have you on. I said okay. So they had me on. No, I was respectful because they were respectful to me. It was clear they wanted to have an honest conversation. So I gave it to them. Listen to this. How much of this is a disconnect between the people who write the stories and the people who are outliving them in the middle of the country? I think it's a massive disconnect. And, you know, I'm somebody who used to work at a major city newspaper, which is considered mainstream or liberal media. I've done a lot of uh, work with USA Today and MSNBC, which are considered the same, because I like to engage people that have different ideas than me and maybe even persuade them. But, I mean, how many people in the newsroom here right now at PBS, how many that work here, how many are pro-life? How many of them go to church or to mass once a week? How many of them voted for Trump? And I think there is, you get, there's a lot of talk of a lack of diversity. There's a huge lack of ideological and cultural diversity in our newsrooms. And I think that's creating a massive disconnect nationwide. Steve Dace, you know, you, you brought up a moment ago, uh, journalists, the, dis, the whole disconnect point. You know, we've strived, I think, in newsrooms for years to become, we, as we like to put it, more like America, to be more diverse. But I hear you saying we've missed a whole chunk of the country in our effort to be diverse. I don't think there's any question about this. I read something in L.A. Times film critics said a year ago when American Sniper was the number one movie. And he said, listen, the only people surprised this is the number one movie are the people that live in the two coasts and haven't visited the 47 states in between. You know what Margaret said about some of the things Trump said? I mean, that's why I was hashtag never Trump. I was disturbed by those things. But you know what also disturbed me? To hear Hillary Clinton say that I am her, quote, 
enemy. Uh, the comments that were made in the previous segment from the WikiLeaks emails calling Christians backwards. The fact that those of us who think that we shouldn't have men in bathrooms next to our young daughters are called bigots when we usually just call them parents. Those things create a backlash as well. So I don't fault the media for thinking that Trump couldn't get elected because of his incendiary comments. The fault, though, comes in the fact that an equal light was not shed on Hillary's incendiary comments and the backlash that created against her, which we saw in the vote total last night. Steve Dace, it's a it's such a big subject to look at how the media and a president interact. But if there were mistakes made in the campaign, how can the media, shall we say, be closer to the mark in how we approach covering the Trump presidency? You know, I think one of the big things, people misunderstood Fox's original appeal when it was launched 20 years ago. Its, its original appeal is that it looked at, at institutions of Americana, the military, churches, the family. It did not look or view them with instantaneous suspicion because most Americans do not. And, and frankly, a lot of people that live in more progressive enclaves do. So I think, for example, treating those institutions that a lot of what you like to call flyover country or as uh, the other, other guests pointed out, Long Island, uh, would consider to be Americana, but to deal with them objectively, I think that is key. And, and I also fear that the media has maybe made a mistake with Trump that we conservatives made with Bill Clinton in the 90s, where we were so over the top, so hysterical in our condemnations and conspiracies and the like, that when something serious came along, like a president lying under oath to a federal grand jury, a lot of Americans just sort of waved their hand, Judy, and said, oh, you guys are always the yeah. boy who cried wolf. In many respects, you guys have almost insulated Trump from any legitimate criticism he may have as president because they're just going to roll their eyes and say, there goes the media again. Now, gentlemen, I have to tell you, I've picked up like over 100 Twitter followers since this aired. I have had conservatives from numerous conservatives, actually from Canada, contact me. Um, they still allow conservatives and, and, in Canada? In fact, one of them even said, our media bias here is bad. I've wa- I watched your election, and it made ours look like Walter Cronkite, is what one, guy from Can- one gal from Canada told me. I've had numerous people, I've had several liberals come out and say to me, you know, that's a great viewpoint. I'd never even considered what you were saying. And it's clear some things got said, and I tried to be polite and courteous about it. Um, but it's clear some things got said to these people that they don't either typically hear or have been allowed to ignore. You know, in the case of Judy Woodruff, Todd, you and I remember she was one of the pioneers on CNN. We watched her and 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 was it Bernard Shaw or George Shaw? Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it no, was. You got it For right. years, first they were the, the first time they were the lead anchors right on right. CNN. They, so, I mean, she's this, she's not new to any of this. But you could tell that a lot of what you heard me say right there. They have never either chosen to consider or been forced to. I thought Woodruff, she struck, I don't know anything really about her background other than what you said. I don't, I can't speak to her biases. She struck me as earnest. She seemed to be listening. Just, and that's the vibe I'm getting from the, the, the split screen and things like that. So I, I thought she was uh, outstanding. And, and you hit the nail on the head. And, and I think there's – we know people like this. The newsrooms are not full of them. But there's been a couple great columns, Steve, uh, from people I've never heard of. One at CBS, another one it's Escaping My Memory. And they just do the same thing you do. They talk about how shameless the smugness is within newsrooms, how they brought this upon themselves – and now they're reaping it. The question is, after a couple days go by, will they care enough to make a change or will they still spiral? My bet's on spiral. Aaron, I want to get your take on this when we come back. 
listening to Steve Dace. So that the world may know, this is Steve Dace. Back here on the Steve Dave Show, powered by Conservative Review, talking about my appearance last night on the News Hour on PBS. And Aaron, I wanted to get your take on that. Audio. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, we, we had to edit that clip for just for brevity's sake. Uh, but if you watch the whole thing, which you can find at uh, Steve's uh, Facebook page, just by searching for Steve Days, you can see the, um, the the guy from the New York Times and the guy from the uh, or the gal from the Washington Post. You know, I, I felt that, or I thought that they were, you know, listening. There was a, f- a few things that were a little odd that they said, but it, it was encouraging. And I think that's uh, one way that, um, you know, what you said before, just going in to uh, a, a newsroom or going into this arena where there's definitely different ideas and then presenting yours in a way that they probably hadn't heard before because if they had heard it, it was uh, probably shouted at them or it was presented in some way. This point of view was p- presented in probably some way that just uh, didn't make sense or was easy to dismiss offhand. Gentlemen, if somebody like PBS puts somebody on the air who's telegenic, articulate, uh, with our value system, where do you think that show would rank in terms of viewership to the average program on a liberal media outlet like PBS? What do you think it would be? It would be the same for them as it would be for CNN and MSNBC and anybody with a legit platform. I mean, it would be, it would be, it would be one of their best shows, if not the best, because they're just isn't. I mean, just look around. There's just no um, sort of diversity of uh, thought and opinion in the nation's newsrooms, which is the, the gist of this discussion. So just by, on merit of something different from the rest of their lineup, it would do very well. And what's more, Steve, they know that and they hate it and they need to get over it. I think this is this is there's two types of diversity. There, there's the type of diversity that says, "Hey, I identify by a racial or ethnic identity." There's there's another diversity that says, "I identify by my values," and that is the diversity that is lacking in these environments. You know, they they assume because they come from enclaves in the culture where people identify themselves primarily as a racial or ethnic group, that means everybody else does. But but uh, but you know, we we come from places where the vast majority of people identify themselves by what they believe what they believe ideas yeah their value system right and and that is the diversity that that's the diversity that's lacking in these media institutions that's where the massive disconnect is and and here's what we're going to find out i suspect you are correct well i know you're correct in many cases that they do know this and they don't care it's clear from the fact pbs put me on the air last night that they're not necessarily in that camp that they just maybe are naive enough to be, live in their own bubble, and we all have our own bubbles that we you know want to live in and not considered on some degree in, in any in, in some aspect of life. I think the key now becomes what does somebody like PBS do with this now that they open Pandora's box and they said, "Hey, Steve Dace, come on here and tell us what the what the rest of the country thinks." Now that they did, now the true test happens, don't you think? Absolutely. Now that now, now they can't say they don't know, they haven't heard. They asked Paul to go to Mars Hill. He delivered the message. Now, what they choose to do with that is up to them. You're listening to Steve Dace.
You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with Hour 3 of the Steve Day Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Still to come, this week's Buy, Sell, or Hold. We're looking forward to that, but first it's time for three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? A question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. It is three questions. That's when we learn each night at this time. It ain't no fun when the rabbit's got the gun or when the Aaron has the microphone. He gets to ask us any three things about any three things. There is nothing off limits. Provided he answers the same questions that he asks of the rest of us. So, Aaron, go ahead. Thank you, Steve. Uh, question one is a two-part question. Better chief of staff, Priebus or Bannon or Lewandowski? Second part of this question, any rumors about cabinet apport- appointments that particularly excite you? I'm ignoring all rumors of cabinet appointments. So I'm going to answer the second part first. I'm ignoring all rumors of cabinet appointments. I think that um, uh, we don't know Trump's methodology of carrying out governance yet, okay? Which means we don't know how often they're going to float trial balloons just to see how they go over, how often they're going to float, um, uh, you know, Decepticons, if you will, to, to get people off of the beaten path because there's somebody else they want. They don't want some, you know, preordained media vetting to put grist for the mill before they get that person the official nomination. We saw a little bit of this with the way he selected a running mate. Which, by the way, was also pre-Kellyanne Conway and, mm-hmm. and, and that team. So I, I think you just throw all of that out. All right? Uh, so I think this is where we should just sit back and wait, see how he carries his business, see how his transition team handles their business, and what the official picks are. As far as the, nom- as far as the three you mentioned for chief of staff, I'd say no to them all. Mm-hmm. To me, this the easiest call of them all for his team to make. Of them all is Kellyanne Conway should be the chief of staff. This is not even, this isn't even a a debate. This is, I mean, this is a no doubter. I I hung a curveball to to Babe Ruth in the 1932 World Series before he called his shot at Wrigley Field. I mean, absolute walk-off, mic drop. She saved his candidacy. She saved it. She took an unhinged 70-year-old man and yeah, I know at times she looked, and I say this as someone that knows her and loves her. And I cringed watching this. And I think I, I, and I think if we went back and looked at the record, I, I went out of my way to never criticize her. I might have broken it once or twice, but I just, because I, lo- I love the woman, I just, she's so nice. I, I just said, I'm, I'm going to forget about this chapter. And, and a lot of that is because Trump puts his people in these situations. You kind of can't avoid them to some extent. But you also have to look at a lot of the things we mocked 
Um, all the different states that he went to down the stretch paid off. Even Minnesota, <laughs> yeah. even Minnesota, which they lost barely, the Republicans captured the state Senate there because of what he did. I didn't, I didn't think of that. I mean, literally every th- every strategic move, the Gettysburg Address to reboot the campaign after the grab them by the you know what video, and we all thought that was funny. Everything that Kellyanne did to redefine this once she took over, in the end, it all worked. It all worked. And it's clear he's listening to her on some level. So to me, I put her, she's the chief of staff. She's a pro. She understands data. She's one of us. She's a mom. She's a pretty, she's a devout Catholic. So she gets the, she understands the religious base. That is the number one reason that Trump is there with that kind of turnout. To me, Todd, this is a no doubter, no brainer. I'm not even debating this. She's the COS. I agree. And perhaps he was listening to her. I don't. I saw. I read a report. Did you see this? And I think it was from Red State. But that uh, Ken Blackwell has been signed, yes. signed on to run the domestic and policy that, transition team. That is that a good. Is, I know Ken Blackwell, yeah. and he. That's not a rumor. I've not heard that. Yeah, he, uh, he I know Ken Blackwell. Yeah. He's been on this show a million times. Um, Ken is as staunch, staunch full-spectrum conservative and a culture warrior that is... That's encouraging. That's encouraging, particularly because the only other face, only other voice of the transition team I've heard is Chris Christie. Not encouraging. I mean, about the only person in the chain of command at Bridgegate right now who's not going to jail right now is Chris Christie. So something tells me they're going to make their way there sooner or later. So uh, uh, Ken Blackwell, um, Chris Christie, weighing the scales, uh, it's, that's not a contest. That's not a contest, guys. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I I would agree with what you said. I, I don't think any of those. I mean, Priebus is a squish. Bannon is scary. And Lewandowski is, well, Lewandowski is Lewandowski. So, yeah, I mean, Conway, if um, The last if thing you want to do, happen. listen, we, Bannon has been derided. And I've heard horror stories about him. I've interviewed with him. He's never been anything. I've had limited exposure to Steve Bannon. He was gracious to me every time. And he was a big fan of Rules for Patriots. Okay, but I know all the horror stories from Dana Lash and Ben Shapiro, people I respect. So his reputation is what it is as well. Given that you can't make him your chief of staff, that is the highest stress environment you can imagine. The white, the West Wing. Somebody needs to have that position that has that is firm but cool hand. Luke, you can't have him be in that position. Doesn't mean I wouldn't have a position for Bannon because he was part of that leadership team as well. And so if we're going to mock these guys, they get credit when it, when they win. But I wouldn't make him the chief of staff. I, to me, Bannon, if, if you want Bannon to be a general, he's Patton, not Eisenhower. Put Patton in a tank and get him out there on the field. Get him out of the boardroom. All right? Out of the boardroom. Put him, in, put him on the battlefield. Make him your political director or something like that. Okay? Because, by the way, what Bannon likes to do by reputation is draw blood from people. You know what job allows you to inflict pain? White House political director. That's where you get to. That's where you get to vice grip the local state GOPs when they don't want to go along. That's when you get to put the gun at the head at the senator from the fifty-fifty district that he might face a primary. That's Steve Bannon shtick. Put put Patton in a tank. Let him wage war. Do not put him in the Joint Chiefs office. You need someone who is a cool and steady and firm hand and in control. And a woman that can balance the, the demands of being a devout practicing Catholic with full-time motherhood with her own company and, and babysitting Donald Trump for the last six months, to me, seems as if she has shown yeah. she knows how to be the kind of persona I'm talking about. Agreed. If you have a suggestion for three questions, send it to Aaron at SteveDace.com. Like Grace, who asks, what's your response to those who will now say to us who didn't vote for Trump, 
See, these prophecies about Trump have been proven true, and God has obviously raised him up and anointed him for us, this uh, judging by the miraculous way he won the election. Well, I'll just say this. I, I'm not of a theological bent to buy into these kinds of things. But mm-hmm. By the way, that is not a blanket statement against charismatic theology. I, that Don't take that to mean that. But I'm not really one to say God spoke to me. and We know what God thinks. He gave us his word and has preserved it pretty well for the last 2,000 years. Um, so I think when, when people say, God told me to do things that don't line up with his word, I tend to just dismiss them anyway. That being said, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. There is no authority on earth except that which God has ordained or permitted, depending on how you translate that Greek word there. So here's what I would tell people like this. Same thing I would have told them last week. Chill. Sit back. Let the, let the tree bear its fruit. A good tree will not produce bad fruit, Todd, and a bad tree will not produce good fruit. So if indeed this is the master gardener at work on a, on a personal tapestry level, when the harvest comes in, we will see the fruit on the tree. Let the process play itself out. I would hope that I could be as uh, judicious in my sentiment as that I've got zero patience for that poppycock. It is simply, <laughs> it is simply unchristian, and they need to hear that garbage. I, I'm still, I, I am vacillating back and forth from the schadenfreude of enjoying uh, what's happening uh, to Hillary and, and the media in particular to this is like i've said before this is trump is johnny manzel please stop peeing on my leg and tell me it's it's raining that that is just nonsense if anything god acted justly in respect to the clintons and there was donald trump just to fall blank backwards into the white house uh, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of of God. So if someone, I'm a little leery of someone saying, well, yes, this is exactly what uh, God, um, you know, this is this is exactly what he's anointing someone for this moment. You know, I don't want to just say against it, but I think what you said is probably the best answer, Steve. Just wait for it. If it, if it is, then, then we'll see good fruit. Uh, quickly, last question. Uh, Joe asks, what's your favorite line of dialogue from either a television show, radio show, or a movie? Oh, gosh. Shawshank Redemption. This. I, uh, this must be the excitement only a free man can feel. I'm fine. I'm so excited. I can't sit still. I hold a thought in my head. Off the top of my head, I'll just say it right now, the way Con- the way Kirk mimic- mocks Khan in Star Trek II. We seem to be experimenting some techno- uh, technological differences. Days. Daily Truth Project. This is Steve Dace. And now for something completely different. We need to have a talk about an excursus on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. See, there's no guilt in baseball. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of his culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive. We have cut the culture crap and get to the hotel. We gotta get some buzz going. This is the Nightly Buzz, where we go back and take a look at the news. We didn't have time to get to the previous three hours of the show. As told to us, courtesy of our producer, Aaron, who, if you were wondering, if you felt like there was somebody looking over your shoulder when you were on Facebook today at work when you weren't supposed to be. Hey, buddy. 
that's that was him. I mean, that was he, he was the creepy guy, leering guy. If if you were if you're at the water cooler at your job, just kind of pretending to be getting a drink and talking it up with one of your coworkers, and I'm there was that Cubs. Yeah, there was that one guy just sort of lingering over there, pretending like he wasn't listening, but you kind of knew that he was. That was Aaron too. So he knows what's going on where you are. He's got those headlines. We've got the hot takes. Uh, thank you, Steve. First story following Tuesday's stunning election results. Several NBA players and coaches offered some harsh criticism of President-elect Donald Trump, most notably Detroit Pistons coach Stan Van Gundy, who opined, quote, I don't think anybody can deny this guy is openly and brazenly racist and misogynistic. Neither then um, should, while well, Jalen Rose's uh, comments uh, shouldn't really surprise anybody on ESPN Wednesday. He said, quote, uh, personal politics in general can be a divisive uh, topic. And for Donald Trump during his candidacy, he became a polarizing candidate, uh, which included along the way of insulting a lot of people. So those same people today as American citizens have to digest what he's going to do be uh, as the next president of the United States. How's it going to affect sports? Unlike Tom Brady. When his team won the championship and chose not to go to the White House, saying it was a scheduling conflict when Barack Obama was in offense, office, uh, what we're going to see in professional sports, NBA and NFL, mark my words, there will be players that decline the opportunity to visit the White House under his presidency. End quote. Again, that was from NBA countdown analyst Jalen Rose. See, I, I'm, I believe in being big boys about all this stuff. I, I, people ought to be able to say what they want to say. As long as they're willing to take the ramifications and repercussions for them, so be it. I mean, Donald Trump has Donald Trump's reputation is what it is. He said the things he said. Some of his supporters that we saw the Pepe the Frog uh, emblem wielders on social media wrote the things that they wrote and were sometimes retweeted by Trump's people. That is a matter of record. Now, here's the thing, though. Trump held himself other than divine judgment, held himself up to the most. I would say thorough examination of vetting and accountability you can receive on planet Earth, and that is a U.S. presidential election. All right, so he has been held accountable for his actions and his and his t- comments, and will be for the next four years on a daily basis. He's a big boy. I don't see that as long as what they're saying about him isn't untrue. I don't see that that we have any um, any obligation to defend. Do you? That's that's his job, right? But that works both ways. It goes to what I said on PBS last night. We'll play that that we played the clip earlier this evening. I don't have a problem with the liberal media's concerns about the things that Trump said. My problem is, and this is what I would say to Jalen Rose, because you know I follow Jalen Rose. I've followed him for the last twenty-five years. Because of course, where did he play basketball? Michigan. Michigan. He was one of the Fab Five, right? So he played high school basketball in Michigan when I was growing up, and, and, and involved in high school basketball. We're the same age. We were in the same graduating class in Michigan. He was at Detroit Pershing. I was at Wyoming Rogers, a school that doesn't exist anymore. I follow him on Twitter. Dude does a ton of work in the, in the, in the inner city community, including starting his own charter school. He's also a believer. Scripture is replete in many of his tweets. He talks about his faith quite a bit. You know what I would say to Jalen Rose if I were on that panel? I'm not going to defend what Donald Trump has said about those things. I'm uncomfortable with them. But, but why aren't you uncomfortable, with, as, with, along with me as a fellow believer, with Hillary Clinton saying people like me are bigots because we don't want to subject our children uh, to potential assaults in public restrooms? You're okay with that? Or what we saw in the WikiLeaks emails when her and her staff referred to Christians as ignorant and backwards? You're not uncomfortable with that? This, as long as the standard of, of, of 
of accountability and vetting an offense works both ways yeah. and everybody's equal you know everybody's intellectually honest about it then everybody can say what they want and let the chips fall where they may if people if if, if nba teams that are predominantly black don't want to go visit the white house because of what trump said nobody said those things but trump and if nfl teams that are more conservative and bent don't want to go visit the white house when obama wins because of the things he says and does nobody did it said and th- did those things todd but obama that's okay we don't have to agree and fake and lie to each other all the time but what we have to be is fair and intellectually honest and that's the problem with the conversation that i have is that it's okay to be big boys if it works my way right. mm-hmm. but not if it not not if it has to work the other way well, around let's keep going down that road then jalen rose said what he said and then he went on with his job Unlike at ESPN, Chris Broussard, who was suspended for saying something. Unlike Kurt Schilling, who was suspended once and then fired. Do we get to say what we think or not? Otherwise, everybody shut up. If I agree with up. what you think, and, and by the way, do you know who they're hurting the most? If they hate it, if, if they think Donald Trump's first term will be offensive to them enough, continue doing this. Exactly. Continue the one-sided prosecutions, and you'll enjoy four more years, four years from now. You're the best get-out-the-vote operation he has. People are sick of these double standards. Like we talked about to open the show tonight, those morons who ought to be getting baths serving in homeless shelters, getting married and and having jobs, walking down these inner city streets, screaming and shouting. 10% of America agrees with this. The other 90%, including a hell of a lot of people that voted for Hillary Clinton the other night, think this is just freaking feces and they can't stand it. Do you know how many white people helped elect Obama twice that voted for Trump on Tuesday? This wasn't driven by race or gender. This was driven by a backlash against your lunacy. People are tired of this. They are tired of being told, we, well, we want brutal honesty, provided it's my brutal honesty. They're freaking tired of it. And if you continue down this road, ESPN, we, you know, we did that, we did that uh, video for Conservative Review back in September mm-hmm. when, we no, when we noted Trump's poll numbers started to climb when what started happening? Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. and the way ESPN and all the networks shoved those protests down our throats. Two of the university football teams in America that, t- that used the national anthem to do black power fists were Michigan and Michigan State. Yep. And what state what was the state that put Trump over the top for 270? Michigan. Michigan was. People are tired of it. You're sitting there getting a $50,000 a year college scholarship. And you're acting like you're oppressed. People are just, they're sick of this. They're sick and tired of it. And you're the best get-out-the-vote effort Donald Trump has. Well said. Uh, quickly, last story on Thursday. Democratic Party officials held the first staff meeting since Hillary Clinton's stunning loss to Donald Trump in the presidential race. It didn't go well. Donna Brazil, the interim leader of the Democratic National Committee, was giving one what one attendee described as a rip-roaring speech uh, when somebody, a staffer, only identified as Zach, stood up with a question. He said, why should we trust you as chair to lead us through this? You backed a flawed candidate. Your form, your friend, uh, former uh, DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz, plotted through this to support your own gain in yourself. You are part of the problem. You and your friends will die of old age, and I'm going to die from climate change. You and your friends <laughs> let this happen, which is going to cut 40 years off my life expectancy. Oh, my. Let me quote Nelson from The Simpsons. Ha, 
<laughs> Frankenstein always hates the monster he created. You're listening to Steve Dace. Where nine black-robed masters don't get to become their own self-appointed constitutional convention. The Steve Day Show. It's that time each week we play a little buy, sell, or hold here on the Steve Day Show. Our producer Aaron throws out a series of provocative statements. Not questions, statements. And then, Todd, you and I will decide whether we're buying, whether we're selling, whether we're holding, and why. And it can, it can be about a veritable cornucopia of subject matter. So, Aaron, number one. At least a third of the things Donald Trump promises to accomplish or promised to accomplish will come to fruition in some form by the end of his term in office. Yep. Um, this, this is like playing Russian roulette, man. Somebody asked me today on Facebook, you know, free trade has been so good for us as a people. Is he really going to stick to those protectionist policies? And I said to this person on Facebook, I said, I, I don't think we know what Donald Trump will do. I think Donald Trump will do what's best for Donald Trump at that particular time. And we have to hope that what's best for him is what's best for us. Um, so I'm going to hold. I, I, I think that is without a crystal ball or soothsaying ability, I, I think that's an impossible question to answer. What do you think? I think exactly what you think. There, uh, there's no way I'm putting a dime of my money one way or the other on that one. Number two, the electoral college system will be dismantled within the next 30 years. Sell. The what system? The, the electoral college electoral system. Electoral college system. I, 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 that cell. That, that would take a constitutional remedy they don't have the votes for. Uh, I mean, they, they, you would not get... First of all, the, the only way we'd have a constitutional convention is if conservatives were able to pull off the convention of the states. And now they have the state legislative votes to pull it off if they wanted Holy to. Cow. They'd have it now. They can do it. But but if, if if Republican state legislatures are the ones um, handling the convention of the states, that means guess who's primarily responsible for appointing the delegates to said convention? Those exact same electorates or their constituencies. So highly unlikely you would come out of a convention of the states with the, without the electoral college. So that means they got to do it the old fashioned way on the left, and there's just simply no way you're getting two thirds of the uh, of states in this union to go uh, to go with that, Todd. So I say sell now. Now, if if Aaron would have said liberal interest groups are going to raise fake Tea Party group kind of 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 money for the next four years off of help us get rid of the of the Electoral College and national popular vote sell. In fact, if you've got if you've got stock in fake national popular vote groups, invest the amount of money they're going to make from liberal grassroots donors to that cause, which will go nowhere, is going to make these fake astro some of these fake astroturf Tea Party groups that may- raised all this mm-hmm. money and did nothing the last four years. It's going to make that look like romper room, Todd. Yeah, absolutely, Sal. This is a solution in search of a 
giant problem. We need the Electoral College more than ever. And uh, a, a liberal uh, friend of mine on social media is out there banging the drum for the Electoral College to yet, in her estimation, be a stopgap, much like we were talking. It's an, it's not a perfect one-to-one equivalency, but we were talking about the delegates at the GOP convention. She is imploring the Electoral College to reject Trump for many of the same reasons we did. Uh, it, By the way, that's yes. one of the reasons why they're there. You know exactly. why? Because we live in a what, not a what. We live in a republic, not a democracy. Yes. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Don Willett. Bye. I don't... And and I follow him on Twitter. Um, brilliant guy, funny. Yeah. Uh, everybody whose legal opinions I respect respects him. Uh, to me, you've, you've you have to replace a Scalia with a Scalia. Uh, William Pryor is not Scalia. He he's maybe if you're lucky, John Roberts. Pryor is the guy that went after Judge Roy Moore the first time. All right. So is he an upgrade over Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Well, I mean, I don't know. Is Brussels sprouts an upgrade over fungus? Yeah. Okay. Um, but if, if you're looking for Scalia, you're looking for somebody who can sit in that position for 25 years and is a rock. And when the waves crash against the rock, they hold firm. Who, who would that be? Cruz? Yeah. And, well, Steve will never get confirmed. You have it backwards. He'll get 75 votes. 80. Just to get rid of him. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just to get rid of him, you be, there is no doubt in my mind Ted Cruz gets confirmed. No doubt. All right. He'll be walking out of there with a gift basket. <laughs> that might be one of the fast. They might do that on voice vote. That's how fast that will be. All right. Mike Lee. And I would put Justice Willett in that category. I'll buy, but I'll be concerned about if it doesn't, that it's not going to happen the longer it takes to put it out there. I would have named it already. I would have midnight tweeted it if I was Donald Trump. All right. I got six more, Steve. All right. More buy, sell, and hold when we come back. Listening to Steve Dace. Making all the right enemies, Steve Dace. More buy, sell, and hold here on the Steve Dace Show on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Lay it on us, Aaron. Trump TV exists. Uh, bye. I really? think. I think. I think a facsimile shell framework of one abso- uh, uh, absolutely exists. I mean, the idea that Trump was going to invest all of this time and energy in this process, and then wake up today if he had lost and was like, oh, "I guess I go back to the mayor a lot." Come on, man. No. There's always been a plan B. I would say bye. It absolutely existed. Um, but um, this is a Death Star they will no longer need to construct. See, because that, that they, was what I was getting at. Yeah. Will, will it exist? Because yeah. right now, because I understand they do the Facebook Live stuff, but will, that was that was like a future statement. At some point in the future, Trump TV exists. Sell. Okay. Sell. Do I think um, when he leaves the presidency, the elements of data that they've been able to collect will eventually morph into a powerful platform? Yes. I don't think it'll bear his name, though. Heavily influenced, inspired by, maybe, but I don't think it'll bear his name. Sal, yeah, he now that again he fell into this ridiculous uh, good fortune, 
this perfect confluence of events, which you've already alluded to, Steve, which is why this is nothing to bank on for the future of the Republican Party, the conservative movement. Uh, yeah, he's go- he's moving on uh, to other things, and it's not going to be that. Holograms will be the next big thing for how we consume motion pictures. Sell. I I could see it becoming something maybe people would want to do uh, in their own home. But um, the reason I go to the theater is the experience. The, the, The big screen, the popcorn that doesn't matter how much coconut oil I use, I can't replicate the, the flavor of. Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they're even putting those really cool Coke dispensers in there where you can like mix all the flavors together. Those are nice. And so and they do. They got with Coke Zero now, so like I can mix cherry vanilla Coke Zero with lime Coke Zero. And you know what I'm saying? It's the trip. Uh, it's the experience Getting of doing out. it. Yes. Yeah. It's like when you, you know, they've got these video games now that simulate different kinds of roller coaster rides, and some of them are really cool. And it'd be nice if you like spend a few grand and put if you could afford that and put one of those in your home and you got bored. But it's not the same as waiting in line for Space Mountain at Disney World with your kids. You know what I'm it's not the experience can't be duplicated. It it can be mimicked to an extent. And I and that's where I could see hologram technology be the opposite of three D. Three D technology was gonna be the it thing four or five years ago. It was gonna replace H D and everything else. And then people, they forgot one thing. People don't want to sit in their home and wear glasses while they watch TV. And so, like, 3D just disappeared. And now 4K and Ultra HD is what's coming next, and it's here now. Uh, I could see hologram technology where I can pause something. If I have an embarrassing reaction to something because it's so personal, nobody else watches. I, I could see hologram technology be the opposite of 3D, where 3D is a big sell in the theater but not at home. I could see hologram technology, Todd, being a big sell at home where it's more intimate than in the theater, where if I'm at that theater, man, I don't want a hologram. I want a 70-foot image with, you know, Dolby 6.0 sound blowing my ears off. That's what I paid for. I'm going to say sell. I don't... This is more a a gut thing. It doesn't... Some things that are just classic. I I think the TV, it's still the same thing, but like your son says, it's just... It it pops now, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that's all people really crave. I I don't think they need to see it in the round in their living. Here's another reason why I think hologram technology. Be I hate to say this, will be primarily consumed at home and then in theaters. Can you guess? Why is that? Take a guess. What do you think I'm going to say? Um, let's see. Oh, how are you going to reconfigure the theaters? No porn. No. The massive porn industry. Which uh, the legalized adult porn industry makes more money in a year than every team in Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NHL combined. You're talking about that kind of technology now? Okay. Going to make crack look like Sanka. Yes, Dennis Miller, it will. I, so I think that is, that is where you will see a bumper crop, in my view. Next one, Hacksaw Ridge wins best picture. Sell. Two Christian too politically incorrect of a director. I will be mildly surprised, presently and mildly surprised if it's even nominated. And they, what do they nominate? Like 10 movies now, right? Not like when we were kids and it was five. Well, actually, just cha- they just made this change for you know, about a decade ago, so it wasn't that long ago. But, um, I mean, The Revenant, which won everything last year, 
this movie's 20 times better than The Revenant. I thought The Revenant sucked. I didn't really understand it at all. You don't like people and then, getting mauled and by had, and, bears. And it was the wrong actor got nominated last year. What, what, what did Leonardo DiCaprio do? Not shave and float in a raft. Yeah, I thought the bear should have You know who carried that actor. movie? Tom Hardy did. The scenes Tom Hardy was in, I, don't, I rarely do this. I found myself rewinding them a couple times just to watch them again. He just was such a commanding presence. Wrong guy got nominated. Uh, so I think it's absolutely worthy. I think given who the director is and what the subject matter is, I think very little hope of that happening, Todd. You are exactly right, uh, other than the revenue. Needed to throw a homosexual in there somewhere, right? I mean, if they, they needed, like, they needed... Oh, we're past homosexuals. We're on to transgender. Okay, he, they, yeah. they needed him to be pulled to safety at the end by a guy who was secretly gay, but he couldn't come out in this era of the military, and, he, and this is how he showed his heroism. You know what I'm saying? It's the director's cut. Yeah, okay, if he had done that, then yes. But they just told the story as it was, as opposed to the story Hollywood wanted, so I think there's little chance. Thinking The Revenant sucks, though, that's a dude code violation. It sucks! No. The movie sucks. It's not a good movie. I hated it. I mean, I just viscerally hated the movie, except when Tom Hardy was on. I was transfixed. I mean, it was just so undeniably evil and commanding. I, I, I couldn't take my eyes off it. All right, uh, last two. You may want to parlay this one into the next one, so keep that in mind. Week 17 of the NFL season, the Detroit Lions are poised to win the NFC North against the Green Bay Packers. Sell. Matt, you want to hear the next one? Yeah, go ahead. Kicker Matt Prater misses the game, tying extra point with no time left to give the Packers the victory and the division crown. Bye. Now that you're telling me those are the circumstances... I thought that might be the case. Uh, not, you know, something, something, something that clear. What did we say when the season started? The Lions exist for the clarification of obscure mm-hmm. rules. So I, they, if, if 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 it involves some obscure rule, then I will buy. I'm leaving the last one to Steve's voodoo religion to discern. But the first one, I'm buying. The Lions are going to be there. Yeah. No, no, that's not going to happen. Listening to Steve Dace. He didn't promise you'd like him, he just promised to tell you the truth. This is Steve Dace. All right, we're back to wrap it up here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. So we talked about some of my thoughts on the election the morning after. We took some calls where we asked the Yoda question, how feel you? I can't do Yoda. All right, so we covered a lot of ground. We just did a little buy, sell, a hold. Listen to me on PBS's The News Hour, which will likely never happen again uh, a while ago here on the show. What did we learn here tonight, Todd? What did you learn? Well, we learned that there are some impulses to take a step back on the left and think but we learned that the biggest impulse even though it's not amongst the majority but it's such a strong impulse in the streets on college campuses to not take a step back my wife said to me before i came in tonight are you aware that they're offering grief counseling on college campuses is this for real i said aim this is what this is the lunacy going on on these campuses. Why do you think I'm so tightly vetting the schools? Our, our oldest daughter, she's starting to look at school yeah. colleges now, wants to go to. I'm not paying for this freaking crap. 
No, if she wants to go, if she wants to go get annihilate her conscience, annihilated. And as an adult, nothing I can do about it. But she's racking up all that student loan debt on her own. I'm not paying a red cent for that crap. I'm not paying for that stuff. And here's the thing: people think about being crazy as just in in line with being stupid. That's different. Really, really smart people can be crazy. We are the most educated society in the history of mankind in terms of the amount of time spent in a desk in school learning. And we are as crazy as ever. That's going to get turned up to 11 because of Donald Trump. It's not going to go away. I'm dead serious. If I was, if I was in Donald Trump's political, if I was running, if I was, if, if I was doing the job I think Steve Bannon should, should get, running the political shop in the, in the Trump White House, I'm just rolling tape on all of these stories, on all of these people, because they're just, they're going to be my reelect commercials here in about three and a half years, don't you think? Yes. I'm just going to bombard America with this. Aaron, what'd you learn? Yeah, and I would I would agree with uh, what you just said. I, I learned uh, today and, and through the course of the show tonight that it is possible to be somewhat hopeful and skeptical simultaneously. And it's it's just a strange place to be in because, um, you know, to 30, you know, 48 to 72 hours ago, I, at least I didn't think that there was going to be any opportunity. I was like, what is there on the table that conservatives can actually do other than just try to hold their own and uh, hold their own definition of conservatism, which still needs to happen desperately right now. But at least there's an opportunity, and that provides some hope. But there's still a, uh, a healthy amount of skepticism, I think, is healthy. That's going to do it for tonight. I want to thank everybody who tuned in and took part in the program as well. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. Listening to Steve Dace.